this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. God, put me back together. Now, if you're watching online, we, we wanted to show the... Uh, the video, which is called God's Chisels by the Skit Guys. And uh, maybe we can kind of send a link on, on that if, if you're watching online. So you can at least watch it. Because of, uh, of rights, uh, we're not able to show it on, uh, online. But I'm hoping that you can. It just, it's one of my favorite videos because it talks about the fact that God is continually working on our lives. And restoration is a crucial thing to talk about these days. Because there's so many people who are just trying to figure themselves out. I'm not too sure when you're listening to this, but you know we, we just come through this pandemic trying to figure out our identity again, find, trying to find out who we are. And there was peace that you had before, and now you just don't seem to have it, and you're kind of asking questions of God. So I'm going to be talking today, starting about the fact of, of restoring the missing peace. Next week we'll be talking about restoring the mission, this missing passion. Later on in the next coming weeks, we'll also be talking about restoring the missing perspective. And finally, we're going to end with the thought and with the subject of restoring the missing purpose. If Satan wants to do anything in your life, it is to blur the destiny that he has for you. He wants to make you you forget about it. He He wants to take that away from you. And I think that God has a destiny for all of us. And sometimes the biggest battle is in the fact that God wants you to fulfill a purpose. And so this is an important thing. And I'm sure that this subject probably appeals to many. If it doesn't appeal to you, well, um, maybe the series is not for you. But for the rest of us that don't have it all together, I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit will truly speak to your heart. Because since the beginning, it's been God's desire, God's heart, to put me back together. Have you ever considered that? Ever considered the thought that the moment you said yes to Jesus, God, come in and take my life. God has been on a journey with you to restore you, to take you from the old person, the old image that you are. They call it the old man. To be molded into his image. It's been the desire of God, the Father, to restore you. Like, isn't that great news? I think it's especially important as we try and find our footing post-pandemic. And the trust is that God will do something rich and something full in our lives to make a difference, to somehow work in a deeper way in our lives. There's this famous uh, nursery rhyme. I think we've all know it's probably the most famous nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men. You're saying, aren't you? Wouldn't put Humpty together again. And, and as I, I listen to that nursery rhyme, I am again reminded of how warped some of these people who put, who put these nursery rhymes together. What is this about some egg falling apart and there's no hope for him? You're just, you're just all shells at the bottom of the thing. It's kind of like this, this guy who is a... A pumpkin eater takes his wife and stuffs her in a pumpkin shell? Like, what is with that? What's going on? And we read these stories to our kids? I don't know. It just seems strange to me. 
But let's just kind of get away from that. I just want to say that because this, there are times where I have felt like Humpty Dumpty. I have been so broken. I have been so wrecked that I was unsure that I could ever go back to the person that I was before. And as I say that, that may resonate with you as well. Perhaps you are listening today even, and you're going through such a difficult crisis, such a hard time, and you're asking yourself, how can I actually get myself to the way I was before? The good news is this, that even though all the king's horses and all the king's men and maybe all the doctors and all the therapists and the self-help books and the infomercials cannot put you back together. I believe with all of my heart that God can. And not only do I think that for myself, and not only do I think that of you, I think that of the church. I think God is in the business of restoring a church, restoring joy to a church, restoring peace to a church. And I, I believe not only that, but I believe that as we pray that God can also do that to a nation that God needs to do that to our nation. And so this is kind of a bigger, wider spectrum. So let's start off. We're talking about restoring the missing piece. Now, right away when I say that, you kind of see the double meaning, that there is the piece that we have, hey, peace, and there's also the piece which is the puzzle that you do. I have come to realize that there are some pretty fanatical uh, puzzle people out there. One thing that I have found out is that Cobble Hill, apparently, is the best puzzle maker. I remember being in a conversation, and I just said, they're all the same. Oh, my goodness, you thought I may have shot someone's grandmother. They're not all the same. You don't have anything like Cobble Hill. They're just such nicer pictures, and they're such more, they got such more vibrance to them, and, and they're just put together all the better. So I just found out that Cobble Hill is the best. I'm not putting a commercial out for Cobble Hill. I have no rights to Cobble Hill or anything like that. I've just kind of... Um, found that out. I realized that when, when my kids were young, puzzles were a good thing. Uh, my kids enjoyed doing puzzles, and I enjoyed them doing puzzles because it made them think. It caused their brains to see the picture and, and put things together. I, I always, when I did a puzzle, I always kind of, uh, always kind of put the outside together and then, then, then did the inside. I don't understand people who don't, who don't start with the outside. It's just kind of weird. I realized that uh, during our, our recent pandemic, that sales of puzzles skyrocketed. You were kind of stuck in a house. You didn't have anything else to do. So all these puzzles were bought and were purchased and uh, was a good thing for the puzzle industry. I bet it wasn't good for a whole lot of us other than the puzzle industry uh, to look through it. I think the, the most difficult puzzle I had was one that was the exact same on the other side. So I didn't know whether it was on the one side of the puzzle or the other. Um, but I'm just saying all that to say this. That one of the most frustrating things is to complete a puzzle all of a sudden to find that there are one or two pieces missing. When you work that hard and you still can't put it together because there's pieces which are missing. And sometimes life is that way. I thought one time... Uh, just to do, to do something different on a Sunday morning that, that I would have two people kind of with a table and a puzzle and have a camera over the puzzle and have them put it together like a race to see if they could get the puzzle finished before I was done. But then I began to realize that people would just be watching, instructing people what pieces to put together. So I just thought, ah, that's probably not a good idea. Um, but people go through life 
trying to put the pieces together. Most popular time to talk about peace is probably Christmas because that's what it's about. It's Jesus coming to allow there to be peace in our lives. And if you know Advent, Advent, they talk about emphasis. And one Sunday, you light the peace candle. It's all based on the fact that when Jesus came, he came to produce this thing called peace in our lives. And sometimes the missing peace is often missing peace. I remember seeing a sign one time that said, no Jesus, um, no peace. And it, the word was spelled N-O, no Jesus, no peace. And then it had underneath it, no, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, and you will know peace. It's true, isn't it? So I asked myself the question, and I, 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 I passed it out to you. What is peace? What's your definition? For some of us, it is the absence of war. We're living in a time of peace. Or for some of us, it might be a picture of us swinging on a hammock on a beach with a nice cold drink with one of those bendy straws. Doesn't that sound like peace? Or for some of us, it is equality and fairness in the political realms, or maybe it's something else. I've come to find this, that for me, some of the greatest times of peace can come in the midst of some of our greatest trials. That real peace is not the absence of conflict or avoidance of conflict. Peace is much more than keeping the peace. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen people who have done everything that they can to create a peaceful atmosphere, but there's no peace? I know one particular situation where they had a son and this son was addicted to drugs in the worst way. And their reaction was, let's not say anything that will offend anybody. Well, they weren't causing peace. They're just enabling a problem. The peace is a lot more than keeping the peace. Like I, I found that peace is not external, it's internal. And that many will argue that peace can come and originate from ourselves, but in reality, peace will come from a power that is outside ourselves. And if this is the case, it is impossible to generate peace on our own. So to define peace for myself, I would say it is an inner tranquility of the heart. It is a confidence and a wellness based on the knowledge that God of the universe is in control. And as I give my life to him, peace settles. And Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. If we could have conjured up peace on our own, if we could have done it through our own human ingenuity, you don't think that we would have done it by now? Like it's kind of what Blaise Pascal has said. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be fully, uh, that can be filled only by the created thing, but only by God, the creator, who, may, who is known through Jesus Christ. Peace is not a what. Peace is a who. And so what I want to do is I want to give you perhaps one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture. It is found in the book of Isaiah. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have probably heard this. You more than likely have memorized this passage of Scripture, but, but I don't know exactly who is kind of listening in. So let me just read it to you. It's found in Isaiah chapter 26. The key verse is verse 3, but I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 because 4 is important to the whole process. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
It goes on in verse four to say, trust the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. What you were reading there, that passage of scripture is actually part of a salvation song recorded in Isaiah. It is given through the tribe of Judah. It's a song of praise, but it has this prophetic element that reaches out to us as well. And so what it does is it talks about a thing which is called not just peace. It's called perfect peace. If you were to read it in Hebrew as it is originally written, it says this, shalom, shalom. And many times when you're interpreting scripture and if you're reading it, if you see a word which is absolutely repeated one after the other, it is meant to cause an emphasis It's not just peace. It is perfect peace. It is the peace that you are looking for. When you interpret it in the King James Version, it says perfect peace. If you take a look at it in the New American Standard Bible, it says perfect peace. If you look at it in the New International Version, it says perfect peace. Couldn't find any other way to interpret it, to make it sound different. It is peace in the fullest sense of the word. It is the peace that you are looking for. And I believe with all of my heart, that this perfect peace that they talk about can only happen as you give your heart to Jesus. It only comes as a result of a a genuine relationship in God. It is basically the gospel in a nutshell, that you are not able to achieve perfection on your own, that you live before a holy God who can't be in the same presence of sin. And because we are sinners, we don't have any hope. We can't earn our way there. That's why Jesus came. That's why Christmas is such an important thing. Jesus came in flesh, died for our sins so that we might be able to have among a number of things, this thing which is called peace. I also believe this, that there are many people who have made a commitment to Jesus who are not living peaceful lives. How can that possibly be? Isn't that a fruit of the Spirit? As we live live for Jesus, isn't that something which naturally comes? Yes, it is. But it is also true to seek to serve Jesus and still hold on to some of the other things that you thought would give you peace. You can serve Jesus and you can still hold on to other things. And if you hold on to other things, God will allow that to reveal that it doesn't bring peace. And so this this message not only goes out to people who are just kind of hunting and looking around for the first time, but many of you who perhaps have been in the faith for a number of years and are asking yourself, sitting at at your desk or in front of your computer or or whatever and saying, yeah, I serve Jesus, but I just don't seem to have the peace. So let's kind of go a little bit deeper in that. I want anybody to have a secondary struggle or secondary faith based on the fact that there are things that are missing in, in your faith and your walk with God. In this passage, if you want to know some of the important parts, there are key words. Keep is a key word. The word mind and stayed is a key phrase. And trust, those three words. Those reveal important things about this passage of Scripture. And it gives us a bit of a roadmap as to what peace is all about. It's about what I'll call, first of all, faithfulness of God. That's the keeping part. Mindfulness to God. That's mind is stayed on God. And trustfulness in God. And so if you have this faithfulness of God and your mind is stayed on him, then a trustfulness develops which 
allows there to be an unbreakable peace in our lives. Let's talk about that. If you give me a couple of minutes, I just want to explain this a little bit deeper. The first thing is, is called faithfulness of God. It centers around that word, which is called keep. It talks about the keeping power of God. And this is the first person. This is, this is God's portion of the equation. The realization that there is a foundation in your life that, that cannot be taken away by anything because it's held by God. You know how many times it talks about the idea of the faithfulness of God? or the keeping power of God. It says in Jude chapter 1, verse 24, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you, and he will keep you from evil. First Thessalonians 5, verse 24, Just as he is closing the book, it says, Now unto him the Lord is faithful who he has called you, and he, is, he also will do it. And I don't know if you've ever considered peace. And I don't know if you can ever understand peace until you first understand the keeping power of God. Like the foundation of peace is the fact that there is a dependable, unmovable, unpenetrable, undefeatable stronghold that you find solace in. And the fact that that God is unchangeable. He will always be that way. The elements in your life don't determine peace the refuge that you sit under does. That's why you can have peace in the midst of incredibly stress-filled situations. For those people who are familiar with um, Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step program, embedded in these steps are two infallible steps. The one is this, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity and made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. The realization that there is a God who is faithful, who will keep you. It's an important thing. And as I talk right now, perhaps you can think about some of the hardest times of your life. I remember there was a time in my life where I had had a close uncle that died of cancer, and then two months later, just out of the blue, my father-in-law, my father died uh, of a heart attack. It was just, it was crushing. I remember trying to put pieces back together and, 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 and trying to deal with the stress of my daughter having a surgery, not knowing whether she was going to live or whether she was going to die or what the ramifications were going to be. And, and even as I talk right now, you might be thinking with situation or perhaps you're even going through a time where there's crisis, there's heartache, it's a difficult time at this, at this time and you're just trying to figure it out and I'm not too sure what you're going through. You might be going through some type of abuse. Maybe there's some terrible news you received over the last week. Maybe it's a financial hardship or a crisis situation or a relationship breakdown or whatever health challenge you might be facing right now. You need to understand something which is true, that he will keep you, that he is faithful, that he will help you no matter what the situation is, no matter how dark and gloomy it gets. He is there. He's faithful. He will hold you. He will keep you. Remember the, foot, remember the poem Footprints? Or I think it was called Footprints. It's that one little Christian poem about the guy who had died and gone to heaven and it shows his life and there's a picture. There's a time in a life where there's two sets of footprints, but there's a time where there's one and it's the, the darkest time of his life and it says, God, what's with that? You leave me in the most desperate time of my life and, and, and God replies and says this, those aren't your footsteps, those are just my footsteps. I was carrying you through. 
It's to do with the faithfulness of God that he is there. Something that you can bank on. The major question you have to ask yourself in your quest for peace is, do I really grasp the keeping power of God? That God is in control, no matter what's happening. That peace is not the absence of danger, nor is it the absence of a trial or turmoil. It is confidence in the reality that God is there in the midst of those things. Faithfulness of God. He will keep you. The other one is this begins to talk about the mindfulness to God. And that's where it says, whose mind is stayed on thee. And the faithfulness of God dealt with God's part of the equation. Whose mind is stayed on him is our part of the equation. And it's talking about everything that we have, our minds, everything, our purposes, our will, everything is stayed on God. We hang on stubbornly. It's like a death grip. We hang on for dear life. Stubborn, undeterred focus. Not a casual grasp. It is a death grip to focus on God. So what, that's what whose mind, the mind was talking about in, in the Hebrew sense. And the funny thing is, as he's, as he's writing this out, Isaiah, that's exactly what, I, what the people of, of, of Judah at that time were not doing. They had their mind on other things. They had their mind on other gods. They had their mind on other issues other than God. And I think that, that he was trying to establish something to them at this time. That in order, in order for you to have peace, you got to get rid of any other distraction that you have a temptation to hold on to. Your mind needs to be stayed on him. Usually it's like three things. It's, it's either things, or it is man, or it is you. It's the self. James talks about a double-minded man. You read in the first part of James, he talks about a double-minded man. He says he's unstable in all of his ways. Don't, don't let that person think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in everything that they do. Jesus says it this way at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You keep these words that I tell you, it's like building your house on a rock. But if you don't, if your mind is not on me, if you're not listening to the words that I'm saying, it's like building your house on sand and, and everything seems fine until the rain comes. Once the rain comes, the foundation goes. All of a sudden you find that you're, you're struggling on it. Paul, as he even talks about this, he says that set your minds on things above, it says in Colossians chapter three. Then within another sentence, it says set your hearts on things above. Talks about both of them. The heart and the mind, the will, everything set on God, and that's where it comes from. That's where God begins to move. I think that Jesus says it well. In a unique time in Scripture, in John chapter 3, you know the one, John 3, 16, he goes on and talks, and, and, and one comment that he makes is, is, rings true, resonates today. He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. Who is it that has you? What is the number thing, one thing in your mind? And you might be thinking, well, I got, I, I'm thinking of good things. My mind is on good things. I, I'm thinking of my family. I'm thinking of my ministry. I'm thinking of being a good person. You know, I, and, and the problem is, and you ask yourself, why don't I have peace in my life? Because, because as good as those things are, as virtuous as they are, your mind needs to be on Christ. And when your mind is focused on Christ, the family, the ministry, the morality, all those things seem to file into place. Who has you? It's a good question to ask yourself. 
What is my focus? What is my mind stayed on? There is the faithfulness of God. There is the mindfulness to God. And we have those things together. It establishes the thing which we will call trustfulness in God. It says, because he trusts in you. This is where verse 4 comes in. This is where it's an important thing. Because it goes on, it says, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Why did they repeat that? The Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Well, it is the same thing as perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. When it talks about the Lord, the Lord, it says this, Jah, Jehovah. To emphasize the fact that it is nothing else than Jehovah. Again, as he writes this, he is writing to a group of people who are trusting in some kind of sense of God. Not trusting fully in God. They're kind of trusting sort of in God. And basically what Isaiah is saying through the, the Holy Spirit is saying through Isaiah is this. It has to be in the Lord, the Lord. It needs to be in him alone. There can't be anything. There can't be a casual grip. You have to trust with him with all of your heart. When you trust him with all of your heart, that's where you're going to see the peace. That's where you're going to see God move in, in, in a powerful way. And people seem to think that as long as you trust in a God, it'll be okay. As long as you kind of go to church, as long as you sort of give him your life, but it doesn't work that way. I know I talk about the fact that per perhaps the biggest thing deterrent to peace is distraction. But perhaps the, the biggest deterrent to peace is idolatry. Not only are you distracted, but that is what you hold on to. And it is certainly possible for those people who have been in services for years to come and worship the Lord and give most of their lives. But when it comes to trusting, they'll trust in, they'll trust in their careers. They'll, they'll trust in their family. They will trust in their bank account. They will trust in their talents. And yet at the same time, same time serve Jesus and, and they're giving God everything but not realizing that they're hanging on to something else. The trust is not there. And as a result... They have this appearance, or they, they are serving Jesus. I'll say that they are serving Jesus, but they're holding on to something else, and so they serve Jesus without peace. They serve Jesus without actually experiencing the fullness of peace in their lives. The question I have for you today is this. Do you have peace? Like, Do you Really have peace. The peace that God wants for you to have. True peace. Shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. It says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, He is the Prince of Peace. That's how, that's how Isaiah described the Messiah. One of the terms. Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, He is my peace who has broken down every wall. Maybe most of all, maybe most familiar is Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of God. Don't turn off that computer or stop watching this without saying, God, give me peace. 
if you're going to restore me, God, start with peace. And so I'll say this, just as we end. Can I pray a prayer of peace upon your life? I know you might not be here physically. Holy Spirit doesn't need that, does he? So I'm going to pray a prayer of peace upon you. And if you're here and you're just looking for God to move in your life, just take this prayer, agree with this prayer as I pray it out. Father, I just pray peace upon your people, a perfect peace. And your perfect word tells us that the peace you have to give is not a peace that the world gives. And in an unsure world, we stand upon the sureness of your promises to give peace to those who truly trust in you. I pray that perfect peace on anyone who is suffering today. God, we surrender to you. God, we place our whole trust in you. Lord, I take confidence in the fact that you hold me and you keep me no matter what is happening. And Lord, I abandon, we abandon any other source that we have sought to find peace. And God, we run to you like a child runs to their father. And I pray for the power of God to move as only you can. Holy Spirit, do a great work in our hearts. Heal and move, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll close with the benediction. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. So thanks for joining us. We are glad that you were able to join us online. If you can't join us in person, uh, we just wanted to uh, be able to extend our love to you. Uh, please um, share. Uh, please, uh, in whatever way you can, um, Help us to be able to help you in whatever way. And I'm not too sure exactly who is all listening, but Lord, I, I, one thing I do know is that we do care. And so um, reach out to us whatever way you can and help us to make a difference in, in your life. God bless. Thanks for joining us. And we will see you next week. God permitting. God bless. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook. 